Welcome to First Sunday, a gathering of like-minded spirits. My name is Janice, and my sister Messina and I have hosted this fellowship for over 25 years. We generally meet once a month in person. However, because of the pandemic, we have created this podcast until we can meet again. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Today we want to follow up on what we've been talking about basically for the last two uh, podcasts, which is how we are learning to deal with the pandemic. It has been very, very challenging for most of us, and um, we want to share some of the things that we've been trying to do to make it through this time. So Messina is going to open the space, as we generally do, and then we'll go into our discussion. We're going to start with the clearing mantra of protection. Father, Mother, God, and Holy Spirit, thank you for clearing and cleansing us in the Christ light within your limitless healing and transmuting energies. By God's will and for our highest good, we thank you for removing completely all negativity in any form. Impersonally, with neither love nor hate, through the I am power, we return all negativity to its source of emanation with no reversal upon ourselves, decreeing that it never again be allowed to establish within me or anyone else. Within the concept of individual free will, may this negative emanation turn to you, Father, Mother, God, for love. Thank you, Father, Mother, God, for placing us within the impenetrable Christ light of protection. And so it is. A prayer of forgiveness. Right here and right now, I clear my mind of all perceived hatred and all perceived hurt. I forgive myself for every perceived mistake, every perceived shortcoming, and for every perceived failure. By the authority of God in me, I forgive myself freely, clearly, altogether. And this sets me free to go forward, to be what I choose to be, to do what I choose to do, to have what I choose to have. And in forgiving myself, I send this same forgiveness to everyone in my life. I hold nothing against myself, and I say to everyone else, I hold nothing against you. To all those I thought wronged me, I let you go. I loose you in the name of love, and in loosing you, I loose myself. Thank you, God, in me. I believe in the honesty of God, and that makes me honest. It compels everyone else to be honest with me. I believe in the honesty of God. Thank you, God in me. I forgive. I forget. I am ready for new experiences of health and wellness, new experiences of joy and happiness, new experiences of abundance and prosperity, new experiences of love, New experiences of self-love. New experiences of agape love. New experiences of more love and more love and more love. Thank you, God and me. Peace be with you. I'm going to share from A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Forgiving the past is an important step in allowing ourselves the experience of miracles. The only meaning of anything in our past 
is that it got us here and should be honored as such. All that is real in our past is the love we gave and the love we received. To surrender the past to the Holy Spirit is to ask that only loving, helpful thoughts about it remain in our minds and all the rest be let go. What we are left with then is the present, the only time when miracles happen. We place the past and the future as well into the hands of God. The biblical statement that time shall be no more means that we will one day live fully in the present without obsessing about our past or our future. Let us ask forgiveness not of God who has never condemned us, but of ourselves for all we think we did and did not do. Let us give ourselves permission to begin again. The practice of forgiveness is our most important contribution to the healing of the world. Angry people cannot create a peaceful planet. Only the ego speculates about tomorrow. The ego bases its perception of reality on what has happened in the past, carries those perceptions into the present, and thus creates a future like the past. Be at peace with yourself and the God you serve. Okay, so um, when we talked about, well, it's hardly been a lot else we could talk about besides the pandemic, but it doesn't mean that it all has to be negative. We have um, previously talked about how to cope with this, how to find the miracle of this time, and uh, today we want to talk about some of the other pandemic side effects. And one of them is the opportunity to return to the source, to remember that we always can rely on our point of origin, where we came from, who put us here, and for what reason. I recently heard someone say the other day that when you give in to panic, you're giving yourself permission to stop thinking. And I have to agree in part to the statement because it can be very difficult right now not to give in to worry, paranoia, or panic. But there's so much more to concentrate on now, like gratitude for what we still wake up to each day. We wake up each day with an opportunity to choose the path, the thoughts, or the energy that we'll carry throughout that day. So what I found that I wanted to share is from... Uh, a book called My Grandfather's Blessings, and it's by Rachel Naomi Raymond, and she is a medical doctor, and her specialty has been uh, cancer patients. And this is called Finding Safety. Bill was an internationally known architect. Of the many award-winning buildings he had designed and built, I have only seen a picture of one. It stands on a hilltop above a vineyard in Northern California. It's made of iron pipe with a wooden platform as the floor and open walls, and it's topped by an iron cross, the most minimal of structures. It's also one of the most powerful statements imaginable of the capacity of a building to enclose space in a way that allows us to see it as sacred. Shortly after he built it, Bill and his wife were married in it. But I didn't know Bill through his work. I knew him through the integrity with which he fought for his life. A life is made up of many stories, and Bill told this story to his wife Mary and to me one afternoon 
as we sat on either side of his hospital bed in the study of his home. At the time, he was desperately sick with prostate cancer and waiting to find out if the latest test would show that there was further treatment available for him. It didn't seem likely. The house was still, and as we sat together, I could feel the weight of his wife's anxiety and Bill's as well. This struggle had gone on for a long time. I felt a longing for a place of ease and safety for just a few minutes of respite. I imagined that we all did. As he lay in bed between struggling to breathe, I asked Bill if he could remember a place where he had felt safe. Without hesitation, he began to describe his childhood home, the fields and the woods, the sound of the birds at sunrise, and then he remembered a story. The story is Bill's oldest memory that happened in rural New Jersey more than 50 years ago, when he was maybe four or five years old and living in a house that was beside a dirt road alongside a small river. Often in the spring, the river would flood. Once soon after a flood, Bill was walking along the road and he found a rainbow trout. It had washed up from the river and was struggling to live in a drainage ditch beside the road. As small as he was, he was horrified. As he described it, it seemed to him that there was something very wrong about this beautiful fish trapped and struggling in a too small, too shallow, too muddy a place. He was just a little boy, and it was a big fish, but somehow he managed to get it up into his arms. He carried it across the road and waded out into the river a little ways, and he put it back. Deeply moved, I asked him what did he remember most clearly about this, and he said he remembered the moment when the fish between his hands realized that it was once again a part of the river. There are many meanings in this story. On one level, this is a beautiful childhood memory shared by a very sick man. On another, it is a story about a man whose compassion goes back to his very beginnings. But I think there may be deeper readings still. Certain practices run through all branches of Buddhism. One of these is a practice done to celebrate enlightenment and the promise of freedom. At such times in China, Japan, Nepal, and Korea, live fish are brought to the market, taken to bodies of running water, and then set free. These fish symbolize the possibility of a return to the source and to that great freedom which is our true refuge and our home. There is also a Buddhist teaching concerning the death of a great teacher, one who has accumulated the power to free others and help them to live well. The death of such a one is called taking on the rainbow body, and it is believed that the physical body of such men and women somehow become a rainbow of light. But Bill was not a Buddhist. He did not know any of this intellectually. He was an architect, a fisherman, a sailor, a friend, a husband, and a father. But there was within him, as there is in all of us, something that goes deeper than all these things, an unconscious part of us that is very old. If you're quiet and listen, sometimes without you knowing, it'll speak to you directly. And so, as we were waiting together, anxious and fearful, hoping to find that further treatment was available, I think that this part of him told the three of us this story. Perhaps it spoke to us so that we would understand where Bill truly was in his life,
or even more important, so that we would know that despite appearances, all is well. Over many years of listening to people with cancer, their dreams, their poems, their stories, I have come across many images for the soul, some conscious and many unconscious. I think the rainbow trout is one of the most beautiful. And so it is. And so it is. He learned compassion at a very young age. And stayed with him. And most importantly, stayed with him to have it for himself. I think we kind of forget that sometimes, that you can have all the compassion in the world for others, but you really need to have it for yourself. And I also think that younger we act out of what's natural. Absolutely. And we go through life and hit some bumps in the road and really forget about our true self. I would agree. I think that's why I considered, you know, one of the best um, side effects of the pandemic is to return to the source. And when you become your true self, that is because you are genuinely a part of the source. So and I've had, a, I've had a week or two of late uh, falling out of sync and feeling, I don't know, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but feeling out of sort. Mm -hmm. And so this supports me in staying in step with what I say I believe. So today I'm going to read from the Wisdom of Sundays, Life-Changing Insights from Super Soul Sunday. And I always liked watching that show because there's so many different people who came through. And I was exposed to, and we are exposed to, a number of different people. Today, I am going to read from the chapter called Grace and Gratitude. The most fundamental lesson that you can take away from light is gratitude. Gratitude is its own energy field. When you acknowledge and are grateful for whatever you have, it allows more to be drawn to you and changes the way you experience life. Grace is transformative. The more grateful you are, the more grace mirrors the gratitude that you have. It's been 20 years since I first read Simple Abundance and started keeping a gratitude journal. Looking back, I believe it was one of the most important things I've done. I've been keeping diaries since I was 15 years old. But before I began focusing on gratitude, my journals were always filled with bad poetry, woe is me, worries about people, what people thought about me, I can't tell you how much of my life has changed when I started writing down five things. I was grateful for each day. It sounds simple, but when you go through the day staying conscious about what you will put in your gratitude list, it completely shifts the lens through which you see the world. Without ever realizing it, gratitude opens a fresh new channel within you a place where the spiritual dimension of your life can flow. As your true self grows in the space of gratefulness, you can't help but to feel more alive and receptive to the beauty that surrounds you. And because I believe what we focus on 
expands. The more we celebrate gratitude, the more blessings come into our lives. Imagine all of this goodness appearing simply by staying still long enough to notice the morning, the sun, a perfect rose, or somebody taking the time to hold the door for you. I know it's not easy to be grateful all the time, but I've learned that it is when you feel the least thankful that you are most in need of what gratitude can give you perspective. Who was my soul, sister, mother, figure, mentor, and friend, Dr. Maya Angelou, who taught me what she believed to be the truth, the true purpose of giving thanks. After I called here years ago, upset, in tears, over what I thought someone had done to me, she stopped me mid-sob and said, stop your crying right now and say thank you. I was confused and I asked why. Because, she said, in that deep, wise, my Angelou voice, you know God put a rainbow in every cloud. The rainbow is coming. Say thank you. Even though you can't see the rainbow, it's always there. So many of the great teachers who join me on Super Soul Sunday have helped me to see how the practice of gratitude can elevate your life to a state of grace. Today, I will give thanks for the breath in my lungs, my body that has carried me to every corner of this magnificent earth and my connection to the surface of it all. As the German mystic Eckhart Tolle once said so eloquently, if the only prayer you say in your entire life is thank you, that will be enough. And that's it. Well, we're going to maybe get up and move around a little bit, get ready for meditation. So if you need to stand and stretch or find a comfortable place to sit and um, get yourself ready to go within for a little bit, this thing is going to lead us into a lovely meditation. All right, everybody, let's assume the position. Of course, before you do that, you want to stretch. If you need a little glass of water, take a little sip. And let's just prepare ourselves to go within. Going within supplies all the answers we need. So just take your time. Deep inhale. Deep exhale. Deep inhale. And exhale. I'm going to say a prayer before we really get started. In the name of the Mother, Father, God, and Holy Spirit, we bless this space with holy, white, protective light through the grace of God. Let us be mindful and just stay present with me. Nice breath, inhale. Nice breath, exhale. Nice breath, inhale. 
see, feel, and imagine a small ball of white light flowing ever so gently around your feet. Take a nice deep breath in and exhale. We want to be present with relaxing no matter where we are. Nice deep breath in and release. As you see, feel, and imagine in a circular movement, energy moving around your feet, slowly, slowly moving up the body, up the body around your calves, slowly, slowly, slowly moving up around your knees, moving up, 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 around your waist. This ball of healing white light, ever so gently, moving up the body, we say, Thank you in our minds as we become one with the spirit. As this energy continues to move up, up, up the body until you are completely closed in. This loving spirit, this easy way to Allow yourself to be relaxed, no matter what. Another nice deep breath, because you can. As we bring another nice deep breath, shows up as you are meditating. Don't judge it. Just be present with it. Stay right here and know that you can return to this peaceful place anytime you choose. And for right now, we're going to close meditation. And we're going to slowly, slowly, slowly bring ourselves out of meditation.
reminding yourself that you can always practice meditation any time of the day and allow yourself to be present, to be here now. And so it is. And what a wonderful reminder that during these times we can step outside of the confusion and take a moment to just move into a meditative place. It is such a wonderful gift. It seems that the purpose of uh, the media these days is to raise our level of fear about everything. If it's not the inconsistent information about the pandemic, that it's the increasing number of conspiracy theories surrounding the upcoming election. We really need meditation. Although there's always a grain of truth buried somewhere deep in the information we're being presented, the challenge is to separate fact from fiction, and what a challenge it is. The old joke that says a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth has laced up its shoes has never been more relevant. Technology has created an environment that spreads rumors, half-truths, and opinions stated as facts Whoa. incredibly fast. Unfortunately, too many of us spend way too much time online sharing this, quote, information before we've taken the time to verify it. There's so much to take in. So what do we do with this overload? We have to figure out ways to protect our mental and physical health from the stress caused by the overwhelming assault on our senses. Yes. As a spiritual community, we must, as the Course in Miracles reminds us, remain vigilant in our thoughts. And that's where meditation really comes in. The word spirit comes from the Latin meaning to breathe. So how is your breathing? I'm really, really learning the um, benefit of conscious breathing. Mm. So, how are you sleeping? We know the importance of acknowledging the body's response to outside stimulus. This is why it's so important to limit the amount of news we listen to or watch. Now, we have mentioned this in almost every correspondence with our First Sunday family because it is so important to, yes. to keep that in mind. Absolutely. You know, how many times a day do you hear the words pandemic, virus, infection, surge, death? How does your body react? Do you feel it in your gut, in your nervous system? What about the many times a day you're asked to isolate or quarantine? Do you even know what those words actually mean? What their definitions are? What the differences are? Well, Isolation means to separate sick people with a contagious disease from people who are not sick. Okay. Quarantine separates and restricts the movement of people who were exposed to someone contagious to see if they become sick. However, there's another term. Remember when they asked us to, uh, to shelter in place? That's seclusion. Seclusion is defined as a sheltered or private place, a place of retreat, a place of solitude. Well, we're all very familiar with the term knowledge is power, so now that we know what all this means, let's use the gift of sheltered seclusion to do something positive, something uplifting. Subscribe to an audiobook or check your home library for books you may enjoy reading again. Uh -oh. How about some creative activities? Working with your hands, whether it's coloring, painting, knitting, gardening, baking. 
These are all excellent exercises for your brain. Doing these repetitive, narrowly focused movements allows your brain to relax. We can use this uninterrupted time to reflect, again to meditate, and to make sure that the conversations we have with each other are thoughtful and compassionate. Fear is highly contagious. We must make sure that we're not passing on something worse than the virus, misinformation and fear. Let's strive to reorient our thoughts so that we are more aligned to what we say we believe, that all is in divine order. So keep your head up, keep prayed up, and remember the words of one of uh, an old spirituals that I think James Baldwin mentioned in his book, The Fire Next Time. And the line says, the very time I thought I was lost, my dungeon shook and my chains fell off. We know that this too shall pass. So until we meet again, we're going to leave you with loving thoughts and with a beautiful tune that my sister wanted to hear from Stevie Wonder. And know that we love you and miss you and we'll be together again sooner than you think. possession and it will if we let it destroy everybody we all must take precautionary measures